And as they're being dismissed, uh, I want to add uh, my gratitude with, along with Pastor Stevens for the um, families of the graduates and the graduates. I'm on, not that, this. Thanks. Sorry, I was trying to hand in the Bible. And, um, but, uh, but it is good to see. I, I love graduation. Uh, I remember uh, when I graduated different places. Um, when I graduated the last time, the, one of my teachers said, are you going to dare take a p- diploma from us? And I, and I said, yes, I am. I don't think he wanted me to represent the school, but actually uh, he was more like a friend than a, than a professor, and uh, I appreciated it, um, appreciated his, his humor. But, uh, but I made it out. I escaped. I didn't necessarily graduate. I endured, and uh, they let me out. And my pages won't turn, so let me turn that. There we go. Man, it's really stuck. I'm using one of the uh, uh, Bibles there that are in uh, the pew. And so if you'll open with me to page 1205, 1205, or 1 Peter chapter 3. Um, we're doing a series through Peter. If you've not been here uh, in the past few weeks uh, or months, you might not know that. And uh, we're just calling it uh, identity in a world of impo- imposters who are we. And today we're looking at our identity in receiving a blessing. You, do you realize that, that God desires to give to his children blessing? We, we just sang Jesus Loves Me and I never know what I'm going to cry because my emotions are weird. And uh, we were singing that second, time, second verse we sang and at the end it says, let's his little child come in. And I'm 63, about to be 64 and I feel more like a little child than ever before when it comes to relationship with the Lord and boy it just hit me I just started crying I had to still a little emotional I can't talk about too much but uh, I I just appreciate that so much and uh, and and when we become God's child that's a blessing right we 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 use that word blessing and let me go ahead and just define it before I get into the scripture Um, the, the blessing a blessing can mean um, somebody is grateful for you or they bestow something good upon you. But sometimes we think of blessing only in terms of something really good. You know, something really bad can be a blessing, right? All these graduates are going on to new things, starting a journey in life. And, and they uh, probably had to endure some, some uh, speeches about, you know, starting their journeys and all that stuff. And that journey in life is not all sunshine and, and daisies, is it? It's, it's not all easy. But it is the failures that teaches us the best lessons, right? Yeah, it's the most painful ones, but that's the ones we don't seem to forget so quickly. And so sometimes God's blessing comes in disguise, I like to say. And once we endure it, we realize, wow, what a blessing. Don't want to do that again, but I'm grateful for the experience. Well, in Peter, he doesn't say it's going to be easy, but he talks about how we receive God's blessing as his children. In fact, this is a, this is a transitional um, uh, text here. He's, taken, he's been talking about uh, submission and suffering and he's going to journey, uh, join it to the journey that we have in Jesus and let us know that it's not easy, but the end of it is eternal life in heaven. So we, so we endure. 
And, and so it's an idea of the journey we're on. We, the Bible used that term. We can use that term. That we look at our life as a journey. From this point to that point. From birth to death. And so we began at birth. Unlike God who always was. We begin at birth. And we do not end at physical death. But some people, their life as in life in God does end at physical death because they're not going to heaven. And so that eternal state of dying in hell is known as spiritual death. But it doesn't mean unconsciousness or unawareness. It means suffering for eternity when you reject Christ. But if you're in Christ, you don't die. Your body falls asleep. You move go to heaven, and then one day he's going to come back and resurrect that body, make it fit to go to heaven, because if you win in this body, it'd kill it anyway, and he'll reunite our body and soul at his second coming so that we can dwell with him forever. Does everybody understand that? That makes sense? Yes? Just shake your head. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll ask questions, because I want to make sure I'm communicating, because people tell me sometimes that I, I cloudy it. I don't mean to do that. So... So we are on a journey. Let me read this text. I'll tell you a little story. Beginning in verse 8. Finally. And, and by the way, when a preacher says finally, that's not what he means. <laughs> this word finally means this is the end of what Peter has been talking about in suffering and submission. And then he's going to go on to a slightly newer topic. So finally, all of you who, not just, not just children, not just slaves or workers, not just wives, not just citizens, but everybody have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. We're going to say a lot about those five things. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil, his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Pay attention to verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord against those who do evil. I think we forgot that. So we're going to look at that. We're, we're talking about a journey. Uh, Janice told me a story. She asked me what the sermon's about. And uh, she told me a story that uh, when she was younger in her teen years, and, and you have to know Janice. If you don't know Janice, she's, she's a go-getter, okay? Um, I'm, I'm like a couch potato, and she's like a go-getter. And so God put us together to balance each other out a little bit, right? And, uh, and so she was telling me when she was a, a teenager, they were taking her brother to band camp, I think. And it wasn't that far. And her mom takes off and driving the car. And they came to a place called Turkey Creek. And she said, let's stop and gobble and see if we can hear a turkey. And Janice said, Mom, we got to get to band camp. And then they went a little further. And, and, and she saw a store or something. She said, oh, I've always wanted to stop at that store. And she pulled it, Mom, we got to get to band camp. And that happened several times. And finally, her mom said, Janice is not the destination. It's the journey. And then, I know that's a Hobby Lobby sign, but <laughs> later on, she bought her that sign and gave it to her to put in her room to remind her that life is about our journey. And the journey we're on determines where we get to. Now, remember that. You know, a lot of us, man, we can't wait to see heaven. 
But before we get there, God has us, we got a few pit stops on the way that God has for us, right? And so we can't get impatient about it. And so I, I want you to take this statement home. If, if techno, Oh, good. We got this part. Good. We'd have Jesus loves me. We got this. How you live can destroy your blessing. Now, I know that's coming out kind of backwards, but I did that so you'd remember it. If I said, if you do it right, you get a blessing, you go, yeah, I know that. But do you understand that you can not get a blessing by going contrary to what God tells us here in 1 Peter? I so appreciated Pastor Stephen's sermon last week on, on the authority of Scripture. Because we teach that in our new members class. That every decision we make is based on Scripture. And, and sometimes I have to step back and go, wait a minute. I think we ought to do this, but is this in Scripture? Right? And so we have to check ourselves all the time against the Scripture. And I've read these verses and I've told you what it's about. So let me jump into it. The first point I want to make is there is a blessing in godly conduct. All right? There is a blessing in godly conduct. First of all, verse 8, it's about relating to other believers. And I said I want to spend a little bit of time there. And I don't want to uh, waste too much time because I don't have a limited amount. So let me look at those real quickly. First of all, he says that we have unity of mind. And there in verse 8, all of you have unity of mind. Now, unity is a spiritual thing. It's not an organizational thing. We think of unity as organization. We're going to get organized and we're all unified. This is a spiritual thing when he puts it this way. He doesn't say, y'all get organized. He said, have unity of mind. In other words, we ought to share in common uh, the goals. We ought to share in common the purpose, the mission, the doctrine. Those are things we ought to agree on in our mind. How we get there might look a little bit different in, in different ways, different places. Uh, with different people but so many times we spend more time on the organization than on the spiritual reason behind the organization do you understand the jesus said you need to be wise as harmless as does but wise as serpents you ought to think proverbs says don't be like a people say well i felt led of the lord well proverbs said don't be like a horse or mules led about by bridle that's how he gets led, you know, pain. That bridle doesn't feel good, so he turns toward it. And then once he turns, they release the pressure and he keeps going. You know, if you're in a corral and you're in a horse and somebody leaves the gate open, you will feel led to leave. <laughs> and just because the door is open in your corral doesn't mean you ought to go out of it. And so as believers, we go to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, acknowledge him in all your ways, and he'll guide your path. Lord, do you want me to take this step? Do you want me to go through this door? Do you want me to go in this way? Well, as a church, we have, ought to have unity of mind. It's not uniformity. We, we are united in our purpose, in our mission. We're united in our doctrine. Secondly, he says sympathy. Now, now this is a, 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 a good word, and I think it gets squishy because we don't have a good hard definition usually for it so let me just tell you in English this word as we use it means to suffer with the the entomology of getting to the word suffering in English means that that I am going to uh to suffer alongside of you but that's an attitude not an action but the Greek word here uh means a call to intimacy let, let me explain what that means it's a call to act 
not feel. We think of sympathy as a feeling. But listen to Romans chapter 12 and verse 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. That's an action. That's not an emotion. We go alongside of them. When, when I say I know how you feel, it means I don't know how you feel. Because I can't know how you feel. I'm not inside of your body. And so I can't know. I can say, I am so sorry. I hurt with you. I, I, you know, we say, I can't imagine. I can't get there. And that's, that's a more realistic way. We, here, here's our problem. When we want to comfort someone, we want to comfort someone. And you can't do that. The comfort you bring is your presence and your love and your concern. Right? I just want you to understand that. Some people shy back like, I don't know what to say. You don't have to say anything. You can just go over there and go, I love you. I'm so sorry. Right? That's just a help for you. I just thought I'd throw that in there. And then thirdly, he says brotherly love. Now, I want to pause there because this is the center of the verse. There are five things. This is number three. And you'll see that it was written in such a way that it's, it's the middle and it's the most important because it hangs the other ones together. One and five go together. Two and four go together. And they're summed up in number three. Brotherly love. There's a word for that. A chiastic uh, form. But I just wanted you to know I do read. Uh, th- that's what that, I wouldn't have known if I had just read the term. But they told me that's what it was. So then I knew. This is, but this is the heart. Notice one and five are attitudes. Two and four are actions and and emotions that we should feel. But this is a fellowship we ought to all enjoy. The the reason we can have sympathy, the reason we have unity of mind, and the last two, the reason we have a tender heart and a humble mind is because we have brotherly love. We can't have those other four things without brotherly love. And notice we can only do that with other believers. This is something we can, you can only have brotherly love for brothers. Now the world uses this term a lot. And I say the world, I mean anything outside the church. And, and that, that's okay. Our first responders, our military, you might be in a club and this is my club brother. This is my, my military brother, whatever it might be. Because they all have a common experience and interest. But our common experience and interest is God is our father. And so we come together as his children. And when I go to heaven's gates, Jesus will let his little child come in. Jesus emphasized this. We didn't know it until Jesus said it, really. We didn't understand it. That God is our Father. Our Father who is in heaven. Holy is your name. We can approach this holy God as Father. And therefore, we're brothers. And we're not made brothers by our physical appearance. It doesn't matter what color your hair is. Doesn't matter what color your eyes are. Doesn't matter what clothes you wear or where you live. And it doesn't matter what color of shade of melanin you have in your body. It means we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And we're called to love one another. We're all children of the most high God. And we ought to remember that. Notice if you'll just turn one page back in 1 Peter 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience 
to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. One thing I've noticed in preaching through 1 Peter is he repeats himself a lot. Every week it's like, didn't I already do this? And, and he keeps coming at it from just slightly different angles so we'll get the picture. I encourage you to study this book. It's a good one. Let me look at the fourth one, a tender heart. A tender heart. That's used for our deepest internal feelings. It's the word we would say from our guts. The commentators don't want to say that. But, but that's literally what it means. Or from our heart, we might say. Old Testament, they used a different organ. But we would say uh, it's a tender heart. That's why he says it that way. And it's the word used when the Bible says Jesus was moved by compassion. It's this very word, this tender heart. But notice he was moved to action when he was moved. So, I, I want to ask you a tough question. Are we called... To love and have an action of love, or are we called to an action of protest? I think sometimes in our modern society, church is known more for what it hates and is against than what, who they love. We ought to be known because we love God and love each other. Jesus said that. I give you a new commandment. Love one another because the world will know you follow me if you love one another. And when we don't love one another, we're outside the will of God. That, that's a tough thing because I, I, you know, I got I to gotta live that too. I, I sometimes, think we, sometimes I think we prefer to protest because we prefer to hate. It's easier. I don't want to love people that don't love me. And neither do you. That's why Jesus said love your enemies. Because that is not natural. <laughs> but sometimes I think we don't want to Love those in sin because we know we are susceptible to the same sin. In Galatians, he said, when you see a brother overtaken in a fault, you are spiritual. Restore such a one in the being careful because you too can become a castaway. And so we understand that and it, and it might scare us. But that's the mind of Satan, not Christ. Can, can you imagine uh, a, a uh, lifeguard up on a life stand and, and a person is going under and they're, help, and they're thinking, help. My son was a lifeguard. I can just see this. And the lifeguard goes, you should have taken swimming lessons. Isn't that what we do in the church? Well, they should have done this. He should have done that. Why don't you save them and then educate them? That's what God calls us to do, to win them and then love them and love them and winning them. And then the fifth one is a humble mind. Notice it begins and ends with the mind. Unity of mind, a humble mind. Humility is not thinking negatively about yourself. Humility is not thinking about yourself at all. If you're thinking about yourself and, oh, I'm so bad, that is passive rebellion and pride. Oh, I'm so bad, even God can't help me. I'm just, a, oh, I'm just so poor and wretched. No, humility is not thinking about yourself at all. It's thinking about God and other people. And if, if that's where your focus is and you don't even consider yourself, that's a humble mind. Philippians 2, 3 through 4. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. 
Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. That's humility of mind. And so we have this how we live with believers. But then the next verse is how do we relate with unbelievers? And it's a shorter verse, but it's a much more difficult. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. On the contrary, bless. For to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. Did you catch it? That's why I said you can lose the blessing... Because you don't act the way God told you to act, which is bless those who don't deserve a blessing. Because let me ask you a question. You go, now, preacher, I just think you've gone too far. Well, let me ask you, did you deserve salvation? Did you deserve that first blessing God gives us by calling us his children and bringing us into the family? Now, if you're out there and you have the inclination to say, well, of course, then you really need some help, okay? Because none of us deserve it. None of us are good enough for God to give us what he's given us. And so he calls us to have that same mind. In fact, the Bible tells us to have the same mind as, that is in Christ. We do not pay back in kind. Uh, a Puritan wrote this. To return good for evil is godlike. To return good for good is manlike. To return evil for evil is beast-like. But to return evil for good is devil-like. I think that was a good quote by a good Christian. And not only we don't pay back in kind, we have to bless the offender. Notice, not only did they do something against us, they're talking about us while they're doing it. They're calling us all kinds of bad names. They're reviling us. But the Bible says in the same book, in chapter 2... Look at verse 23, uh, 22 and 20, uh, uh, verse 23, I'm sorry. But when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to the one who judges justly. Jesus did not revile. He went to the cross. He didn't stop him. He could have, but he didn't. Of course, we wouldn't be here had he done so, Right? When we curse back, when we are cursed, a man named John Trapp said, that's like washing dirt off with dirt. Think about that. If you want an eye for an eye, now you're both blind. And God calls us to something that is humanly impossible, but can only be done by the grace of God in our life. And that's Peter's point. If you have the grace of God, you are a believer in him, you follow him, this is what you'll look like. That's tough. Because when I read that, I go, ooh, yeah, mm, yeah, missed that one just yesterday. I mean, boy, I was studying this. I was thinking about all the judgmental things I've said and done. I'm like, good night. I'm just so glad God brings it to our attention and helps us grow, aren't you? Because here's Peter's point. If you don't do this, you, you don't really belong to God. And so that might be a check to go, ooh, let me make sure I'm following God. You see... Here's the blessing of a godly conviction in verses 9b to 12. Did you notice how 12 ended? I'm going to begin the next one with the same part of the verse. At the end of verse 9, he says, For to this you were called 
that you may obtain a blessing. The Christian is called to loving the brotherhood and not repaying evil for evil. So therefore you're loving your enemy. And that is your calling that receives a blessing. And now let's attach it to what comes after. Since you're called and God's blessed you for, and this is Psalm 34. Uh, is, is the quote here from Psalm 34, uh, 12, I think through, uh, well, anyway, you can look it up. Whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. He stopped in the middle of a verse. In the Psalms, the rest of that verse says, to cut off the memory of them from earth. That's pretty severe. But people think we, we've, we've, we've cheapened the gospel so much that people think that they can pray a prayer that was written for them, that somebody said, repeat this after me, and this might have been some of your experience. I'm not saying you didn't mean it. But somebody said, pray this prayer. Dear God, dear God, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. And I know I need a Savior. I know I need you to be my Savior. So come into my life and take over. Come into my life and take over. Amen, amen. Okay, you're going to heaven. And then they can run out and live any way they want to. Peter said, no, you can't. Wrong. <clears throat> Mistake. God doesn't even hear your prayers. When you do evil. The only prayer he hears then is, is repentance. And so if you did mean that prayer. Your life will change. You'll begin to look different. And act different. And be different. In what we say. And in what we do. Look at there in verse 10. I, 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 I'm not going to go through that whole, all those verses. But in verse 10. If you love life and want to see good days, keep your tongue from evil, your lips from speaking deceit. Therefore, when you're reviled, don't talk back. Don't curse when someone curses you. Bless them. I don't know if anybody's ever told you where to go that wasn't a good place. But I've been told that many times in my life. And I always just say, sorry, I can't. <laughs> Already made arrangements not to go there. Can't make that one. But God bless you. I hope you get to go to heaven. Right? That's all you... I mean, you don't have to get upset. They're striking out in pain and anger and are controlled by the enemy. Why do you hate them? They need deliverance. And in what we do, verse 11, let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. You can't pursue peace when you're fighting somebody. You can't pursue peace when you're arguing with someone. You can only pursue peace by pursuing peace. And then he says, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. And he's just defined righteousness by what we say and do. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. That's what God does. Verse 12. What we do and say is in 10 and 11. But verse 12, here's what God says he'll do. He'll listen if you're living the way he wants you to live. But he quits listening the minute you turn your back on him. A very wise man told me once and never forgot it. There's no place in the Bible for a sinning man to lie down and take a rest. 
When you realize there's sin in your life, the response is to repent. The response is to come to God. The response is, God, I have sinned. uh, David said, Lord, against you and you only have I sinned, and my sin is ever before me. He could not rest until he confessed his sin and let God come with his healing love. Because repentance is not a new salvation. You were saved. But when God brings conviction of sin and you repent, you come to God, he comes back with his love and lets you know that he has forgiven you and that his compassion is great towards you. The Hebrew word is indefinable when it talks about his everlasting kindness and his everlasting love. That's the closest we can get to it, but it means even more. It's a great word. And the Bible tells us his love is everlasting and he will love you, but he won't let you live in your error. He wants you to live in his righteousness. And when we get out of step, he brings conviction. Well, what can you do about all this this week? First of all, I would evaluate how you relate to your brothers and sisters in Christ. That's, that's the easiest step you got. Because we're supposed to have a family resemblance, aren't we? Aren't we? Last church I served in, after we left... A pastor took a trip to Tennessee and he saw a picture in a restaurant of a man whose last name was McCarter. So he took a picture of it and sent it to me. And lo and behold, it looked like my dad and his brothers. So I sent it to my cousin that likes to do genealogy, Dexter McCarter. And Dexter said, yeah, when we came over here, we split. The family split and some went up to Tennessee and some came down to North Carolina. Well, we're the North Carolina branch. Thank you very much. But that dude was a relative in the Tennessee branch. And he looked just like my family. Because we got a family resemblance. Well, Christians ought to have a family resemblance. We ought to just be able to get together and go, man, isn't the Lord great? I've, I've gone around the world, not around the world, but I've been to a lot of countries that aren't this one. And when I meet a believer, it's like you just met your brother or your sister. It's awesome. So that's the easiest one. Evaluate how you, you know, it's not the people across the world. What about your brother next door? What about your brother sitting by you this morning or in the pew over from you? Are you loving them like Christ loved us? Then secondly, ask yourself, who do I need to bless? I don't mean somebody did you a favor. I mean the person that hates you the most. Do something nice for them. Number one, freak them right out. That's, That's the fun part. But number two, it brings God's blessing Make sure you don't lose your blessing. And then thirdly, because of what he says in the psalm and he repeats here in Peter, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. His ears are open to the prayer. His face, if it's against those who do evil, it's toward those who do righteousness. So you ought to seek God's eyes. You ought to seek God's ears. You ought to seek God's face. The psalmist said, when you said, seek my face, I said, thy face, O Lord, will I seek. Let's look to God's purpose, to God's will, and want to do that. Let's pray together. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your abundant love and mercy. Lord, if, if we had not had your mercy, we would all have perished in our sins and been in hell already. But because of your great mercy and your great love with which you loved us, you have called us into the family of God. You've called us into the fellowship of believers. You've called us to be a holy nation and a royal priesthood, a people set apart by Christ. 
And so, Lord, I pray that you help us this morning by the admonition of this scripture, by your servant Peter who wrote it down under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. May we love one another and then may we go beyond that, which ought to be easy, but for some that's hard. But may we go beyond that to loving our enemy. Lord, you love those who hated you. You love those who reviled you and you died in their place. You even prayed before you went to the cross, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I would have gathered you under my wings. But you would not. Lord, I pray for those who have not, that today they would. That they would come to you. They would bow before you and say, Lord, you are God. And I want you in my life. I want, to change, I want you to change my life. I want you to be everything to me. And that we would dig into the scripture and know your will and do your will with our very lives. God, give us your grace. For without it, we can do nothing. 